Welcome to the Misfit Stars Podcast. I'm Shannon Curtis. And I'm Jamie Hill. Hi, everyone. So here's the deal. This is the setup. <gasps> Shannon Curtis and I, Jamie Hill, are a married pair of working artists. And this podcast is our weekly date for getting on microphones and talking with one another, but also with you about what's mattering to us this week. We're thrilled you're here with us. And hi, Sugar. Hello. Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, so thrilled y'all are with us. Mm -hmm. Thanks for hanging. Mm -hmm. Let's start with some announcements, announcements, announcements. Nice. Straight from my sixth grade science camp announcement song. It's so All good. All the way here, 30, 40 years <laughs> later. <laughs> no, sixth grade, you no. would have been 11, so you 37 years ago. 37 years later. A long that time. song is stuck in my head. And here we go. Well, there there aren't any like major announcements, but well, there may, uh, one announcement is that Why we're, don't we, we'll just tell the people and we'll let them decide for themselves how major okay, it is. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Maybe it's going to have outside significance oh. in someone's life that we couldn't even possibly like foreshadow. Okay, maybe so. Well, the first of the announcements is that uh, we're going to be on break next week yeah. and the following week uh -huh. because we're going to see Jamie's family on the East Coast. Hooray! So we will be uh, not doing the podcast while we're doing our family visit. So True. you will not be hearing from us for the next couple of weeks. We'll be back May 30. Yeah. Um, but then also, because we're going to be gone the next couple of weeks, I also wanted to announce the date of the next 80s kids song release <gasps> because that's going to be coming out June 2nd. Oh, man. Our schedule got kind of pushed back a little bit because we had our big show last month and like we just, we had to sort of like stretch this one out a little bit longer, but it's coming together. We've been listening to mixes in the car the last couple of days. <sighs> you guys, I cannot wait for you to hear this. Y'all are going to just flip the F out yeah. about this one. So it's nearly done, but just given how much time lead time you have to give all the the systems that be <laughs> the, to get the word out about it to people. It's coming out June 2nd. So yeah. mark your calendars for the next 80s kids song. Wow. It's a mystery. We'll be on social media uh, dropping clues mm -hmm. in the days leading up to the release so that those of you who like to guess at what the song is going to be can do so. Yeah. Um, I already have a couple clues in mind. Wow. Um, but yeah, like we'll we'll see if someone gets it this time. Wow, it'll be fun. So exciting. Uh, Jamie, how you feeling? Well, thanks for asking. You know, it's funny. So I was taking my notes a little while ago, and I encountered this question for myself, uh, and I wrote down uncertain. Mm. Um, I just I don't know. Okay, exactly. That's all right. Um, yeah, totally. Like I f I'm happy. I feel good. Okay, but also like I just I feel like something's up. Oh. Okay. I'm not sure what. Like with you? No. Maybe just like with the world. Mm. I don't know. Like my little antennae, you're just kind of out there and you're just like picking up some strange vibrations. I'm not sure from where or why. Interesting. Uh-huh. Okay. Everything's good. I'm fine. Okay. I'm just not quite sure what's going on. All right. Well, not to know, sound all like weird and conspiratorial. No, it's okay. It's not I my mean, vibe. <laughs> but it's also, it's good to recognize that. And also like, you know, you can still say you're happy in this moment. Like the yeah. present moment, there's yeah. nothing... You don't need to borrow trouble for anything, mm -hmm. right? So that's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, How about you? How are you feeling? Thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling rested. Mm -hmm. We took Monday off this week because we had worked on Saturday, and we just really do actually need weekends. Yeah. Like really do, and uh, we had a great day yesterday, and I slept like a log last night, mm -hmm. like just. Really hard. And so I feel rested. Good. And I just feel kind of happy to be here. The, there was, I, I had some rough times, emotionally speaking, late last week. 
and um, you just just some rough days. And so, and I'm and I feel like I'm past those experiences. Oh, good. Yeah, you and I had to talk some stuff out. Yeah, got to do it. We got we got that figured out. Um, and I'm really just grateful to be on the other side of all that. Because in the middle of stuff like that, you could, it sometimes can feel existential, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, this time around, it kind of did, but it's not. And mm-hmm. I, it's, so I'm just glad, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here. That's, <laughs> that's just where I'm at today. Great, great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so why don't we get things rolling uh, by firing up that good news machine? You and I both had the same thing. It's the only possible thing to have today, <laughs> Tuesday, May 9th which is uh, disgraced former President Donald uh, Trump yeah. was today found civilly liable for sexually assaulting and defaming E. Jean Carroll. With malicious intent. Unanimously, yeah. we should say, also. Yeah. So, they- like, the rules for, like, civil trials are different than criminal trials, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, the, like, the... So suffice to say that you don't have to have everybody. Oh, I thought that you did. I read, I read specifically about this. Oh, do you? I, th- I thought, that I thought in- the standards were lower for civil than well, for criminal. I, that's what I thought too. Oh, and great. So that's now why we're I, talking about it and we don't know. But that's why I looked it up and it said that they would they would have to come to a unanimous verdict. I but whatever they did, that's the that is the point, is that all the jurors agreed that mm-hmm. uh disgraced former President Donald Trump uh actually is liable for sexual abuse was the word I think used in the in the case itself, which yeah, means he assaulted her sexually. And okay, also so defamed with malicious it's intent. It's 10 out of 12. Oh. It's 10 out of 12. I see. Okay. So in a civil trial, five out of six jurors are needed to return a verdict in favor of one party or the other. When there's 12 jurors, it's 10. I see. Okay. So it's either right. five of six or 10 of 12. Got it. Glad I looked it up. Yeah. Because like uh, when we were reading about it, the people that we were reading were making a point to point out that it was unanimous. And obviously in a right. criminal trial, it has to be unanimous. So that wouldn't have been a thing that you would say. Right. right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they could have they, they could have gotten as many as two people dissenting and, and the conviction still could have come through. Right. But and it's, it was not, unanimous because everyone was like, yeah, he fucking did it. Yeah. Every it's, single person. It's important to say it's not a conviction, right? This is not a criminal trial. It's a civil trial. It's a finding. So it's, yeah. yeah. So the penalty in this case. Right. The Sadly. penalty in this case is that they, the jury awarded um, five, a $5 million penalty that Trump has to pay to E. Jean Carroll. Yeah. Uh, is as a... That's that. That's what he'll have to pay, and he's going to appeal. He's already said he's going to appeal. Appeals. I was reading about this too because I was just curious how it all worked. That um, uh, if if he were to, like, the appeal process doesn't give him a new trial. Like it goes no. to the appeal co- appeals court, and the judge there basically they can only determine like was this lower court. Uh, did they did they do the trial right? Yeah. Was anything going wrong <laughs> yeah. when this decision was arrived? At? Yeah. yeah, and and if so, then then he could be granted an appeal, which would just probably facilitate a new trial, yeah. which would probably result in the same yeah. result. So, like, an appeal is not going to like get let him off the hook, Mm-mm. you know, and he's probably not going to win on appeal either. Right. So. F you, Donald Trump. Oh my gosh. I read somewhere also, this is an interesting take on this and I hadn't really thought about it in these terms, but like E. Jean Carroll, by by winning this victory today in court, Mm -hmm. is the first person in history to have like actually brought some legal consequences against Donald Trump. This is the first time that he has faced consequences. That's why I put this in my good news machine. Yeah. Specifically, uh, because it's the very first time that Donald Trump has ever faced accountability. In a court. Yeah. Yeah. 
amen, let's do this some more. Yeah. <laughs> just hope it's a great precedent. Yeah, yeah. So that is good news. I, I have the additional good news I had is that later this afternoon, there was some news that broke that that really messed up uh, Republican Congressperson George Santos, the one that just he just won election in November, but he's been like found to be like have lied about just about everything he could have lied about about his life, his career, his campaign, his like everything. Who he is as a person, everything. Yeah, everything. Everything. Um, that they they announced the, the the story broke today that he has been indicted on two federal criminal charges. Mm. The the charges are still under seal, so we'll find out. You know, maybe Ooh. as early as tomorrow. <laughs> Thank you for the seal interpretation yeah. uh, impression. I'm, yeah. I, you just threw me right off. <laughs> it's all good. So I, I imagine that was George the point. Santos. George Santos. Yeah. yeah. So we'll learn what the charges actually are. But like, I know the, the DOJ has been investigating him for finance, campaign finance violations. The DOJ has been investigating him for gestures wildly. I know, exactly. Right? I mean, there's literally like, I don't know, a couple dozen things that he did in public that are <sighs> obvious crimes. Yeah, right. I know. So, I know. It'll yeah. be interesting. It'll but be, like, it'll be cool. It was good to hear that they're moving so fast on that. Yeah. Can we move fast like that with other people? Like The stakes are much lower. That's I, why there's yeah, the speed. I you guess know, so. this the speed is inversely proportional to like this the seriousness and gravity of the mm -hmm. person involved, you yeah. know? Like you can't just fuck around and try to do it slapdash and quick I for someone like Trump. Totally. But for understand. someone like George Santos, who's kind of a small fish and everyone kind of hates him. You know <laughs> what I mean? They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll slap a case together. No problem. We got this one. Yeah. Also, I think it's kind of probably slam dunky because like... It, how could it not be? If there's, it, like, there's, there's wire fraud. There's really obvious stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. Crazy. How exciting. How exciting. Well, you know, it's just, it is good news. It's good news. Like, I just feel like we have lived in an era over the last number of years. Yeah where sometimes it has felt like, oh my God, do the bad guys just always get to get away with their shit? Constantly. Like it feels like, and it's felt like that's just been like the theme and it has felt like so just, I mean, I have this bright red line of justice running through my my little spirit. So true, you guys. Oh my <laughs> like, God. It is. It is very sensitive. Yeah. And like it has been- Exactly just divided dinner portions. It goes all the way down. <laughs> I just want everything to be fair. Right. And right. Mm -hmm. You know, and I that do. goes for all of humanity. Mm -hmm. And like, so it has been, what is the, there was a word, a phrase that we stumbled on a couple, a couple of years ago. I remember us talking about like moral, it was moral. Um, oh shoot. Well, I describe it. it. It's the idea of like your, like morality itself being offended. Yeah. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? Like, like that's what it has felt like yeah. with like people like Trump getting away with his shit. Yeah. And it's so it's really good news when accountability actually happens. And that's yeah. like it's it's worth celebrating. I'm not out here like dancing on anyone's grave and celebrating well, a, they're not a, dead a yet. I know, but you know, more of metaphorically speaking, like mm. I'm not like I'm not about like celebrating another human's demise, right? What I care about is is the society itself holding to account people who have been really bad actors and made things really horrible for other people. Sure. That's what I care about. Sure. Like, it's not like a tee-hee-ha-ha, -ha, you know, F you. I mean, I do feel that. But, it, but the reason for that is not like out of personal hatred. It's about like, yes, justice. Yeah. Thank you mm -hmm. for once. This is an accountability podcast now. Yeah, that's right. I'm into it. Amen. Um, well, awesome. How about we get, how about we get less dumb? 
class. Anyone? Anyone? I thought this was interesting. What? So, uh, we are being assisted on this little uh, piece here by our perennial friend, uh, Caitlin Jetlina. Love who, her. YLE, your local epidemiologist. Okay. Our, she's our epidemiology friend over email. <laughs> and we don't know her personally. Nope. <laughs> Wish we did, though. I would buy her snacks. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, everyone likes snacks. So I was trying to think of something nice. She probably likes snacks. Right? Yeah. Seriously. She doesn't like snacks. So, uh, May 5th. Uh, maybe you guys saw this in the news. Honestly, maybe you missed it because it was like almost a blip on the radar. Uh, the, the WHO announced that it was the end of the international COVID emergency. Yeah, I heard that. Right? Uh, so, like you can see that and be like, oh, okay, end of the emergency. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Right? What does that mean? Here's what that means. Okay. She broke it down. It's so interesting. So, it's kind of like technical definitions. Okay. So, what it means. It means that the... WHO, the World Health Organization Emergency Committee, believes three things. Okay. Okay? Those three things are, one, COVID-19 is not unusual and unexpected any longer, right? <laughs> We've done such a good job of spreading it all over the world. It's now usual and expected. Yeah. <laughs> oh two, cross-border transmission can't and won't be stopped. <laughs> well, yeah. Right? Yeah. And three, COVID-19 does not require a coordinated international response. Any longer, okay. Right. And what's the reason for that third thing? Well, they just like had a meeting, a series of meetings, and <laughs> and decided that people can kind of like it's not it's not an emergency anymore. Like we don't okay. need to be coordinating between governments in like this panicky way, like how to get the doses here and doses there and take them from this place and give them to that place. Because okay. you remember in like 2021, like there wasn't enough vaccine to go around. The U.S. Right. had way too much. Other places had way too little. How do we get it places? That kind of yeah. international okay. coordination, okay. right? We're not there anymore. Got it. That's what they're talking about. I see. So uh, what this means, right? Um so those are the three things that they look at. Right. And there are also three things that it means. Okay. Right? So it means, one, the end of mobilizing international coordination. Okay. So they're not yeah. going to be doing that anymore. Yeah. They're going to stop. Like they had a department that was mobilizing international coordination for COVID-19. They're shutting down the office. Okay. Right? Number two, it means the end of streamlining international funding. Okay. So again, not really coordinating that. Not really like when we think of streamlining, right? It's like trying to be the most, the most efficient with resources. Mm-hmm. Like again, U.S. hoarding other places, not enough. <laughs> you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And three, uh, it's the end of accelerating the advancement of the development of vaccines, therapeutics, and diagnostics under emergency use authorization. I see. Right? So there were EUAs. I mean, you remember going back to like... 2020, um, where it was like anything that possibly worked, we had an emergency use authorization right. for it immediately, right? Right, right. Um, so they've not, they've stopped it. Yeah, totally. This. They stopped all the EUAs, and they've also stopped uh, accelerating the advancement of the development of vaccines. So now they're just going to be developed kind of more on a, a normal schedule, right? Right. To kind of business as usual for the pharma companies, as opposed to like stop everything. We're focusing on this yeah. extra funding, extra et cetera. Right. Right. And probably also. I imagine those emergency um, authorizations probably loosened up some of the like processes around. Oh, totally. Developing so so that those are being yeah, tight. Just get it right up. in the marketplace. Yeah. Remember what because with the vaccines, they were they all had dramatically shortened timelines. Like a number of testing steps were kind of consolidated. Yeah. Also, like it wasn't that it wasn't like it was dangerous because the underlying mRNA technology, right? That had been widely tested for years. Yeah, 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 yeah. widely tested. So the cool thing about that is like you can just basically plug new things into it. It's like a carrier and you just yeah. plug the different thing into it for whatever mm-hmm. you're trying to fight. 
-hmm. and it kind of goes and does its thing, you know? And so it was safe for them to compress that timeline, but they wouldn't have been able to compress a timeline if there hadn't been the The emergency emergency use authorization. Got it. Yeah, because otherwise, like, there's just certain mandatory waiting periods and testing periods and blah, 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 blah. Right. But when there's an emergency, you collapse it all down, get it in people's arms. Right. So uh, she also had a helpful thing, like, what... It does not mean. Okay. Right? Okay. Because, like, that's sort of flip side of the coin, sure. right? It doesn't mean the end of the pandemic. Okay. Right? And that's really important to note. Like, it's not the same thing as declaring the end of a pandemic. Mm. Um, so just so we know that. Like, there is still a virus that's out there everywhere. Pan. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, it doesn't mean that COVID-19 is gone. No, it certainly isn't. Right? Uh, it's currently mutating two times faster than the flu. Wow. You know? Mm-hmm. Um we will get future waves, she says, but hopefully these will be wavelets, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of population level immunity now from both vaccines and infections, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, you know, she imagines that wavelets will happen s- several times a year. So it'll be like, you know, a little flu season for COVID a couple times a year, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, it'll mm-hmm. be that kind of vibe. Um, so I'm curious when a pandemic is declared over, because like with the flu, right, the flu at some point was a novel, vi- like the flu viruses that we get was at some point in the human population a novel virus, yeah, right? Uh-huh, yeah, and in 1918. It, that was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, but there's different strains or they all derived from that same flu I don't strain. Think I don't so, know, no. yeah. But the 1918 one is still a predominant novel. one these days. I see. Yeah. Right, so like, but like we don't consider us being in a flu pandemic no. anymore, but the flu still is around. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering what the threshold is for ending well, you know, pandemic. This might sort of help a little bit with that, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. She says, uh, she says that pandemic, quote unquote, is rhetoric that governments use as a communication tool. Mm, okay? Makes sense. It indicates, like the use of the word pandemic indicates the widespread occurrence of an infectious disease across the globe mm-hmm. at a particular time. Also, side note, if you didn't already know this and if you didn't infer it from the thing I just read, global pandemic is redundant. Yeah, Pandemic course. means global, right. means around the globe. Yeah. Um, so pandemic indicates the widespread occurrence of an infectious disease across the globe at a particular time. And I think at a particular mm. time is really kind of doing a lot of the work there, right? Mm. Because like you want to localize it. Like there was the, we think of it as the 1918 flu pandemic, but I mean, it went to like 1921 or whatever, you know what I mean? Or 23 right. or I mean, it was still trickling for a long time after and it still is around today. Right, You know, right. like yeah. So to underscore your point, it's never going away. Right. So, but also there's a certain point at which it's like, well, it's no longer a pandemic. It's kind of like old news. Right. That has little wavelets like you were talking about what's coming with COVID. Interesting. It's kind of like once you've released all the singles off an album (laughs) and it becomes like a catalog record. It's like that. You know what I mean? (laughs) You might still love it. Like you might still get played a lot on the radio. No, we don't love pandemics though. (laughs) Fair. Fair. (laughs) Totally different and I don't want to associate this with music which is something I love. Fair. Fair. No, no, no. Well, that's very interesting. Yeah. And the third thing she says is it doesn't mean that we can go back to pre-pandemic times. Mm, well, you know? no. Um, <laughs> she says here, it's funny. She says, this does not mean that some countries, cough, cough, U.S., mm. <laughs> don't have serious underlying problems that need to be addressed. It's beyond time uh, to confront the threats to our individual and collective health, so we're not in a constant state of emergency. Mm. We cannot li- keep living in a perpetual cycle of panic and neglect, yeah. right? And I think what she's getting at here, and she's talked about this a lot in the past, is the idea that we need to do a lot better at pandemic preparedness. We need to learn lessons from this and not just, quote-unquote, go back to normal. We don't want to go back to normal because if we go back to normal in terms of our 
pan pandemic readiness. Right. The next one's going to wall up us equally as hard. Yeah. But if we actually prepare and learn lessons from this, like, okay, here's the things that we did not do right this time. Let's improve them so next time something like this comes, we're way better positioned. Mm -hmm. And like we were talking about last week, there's a communicational aspect to that mm -hmm. too. So there's scientific stuff that you can be ready for. But then there's also like the understanding that we need to be able to communicate at like a population level way more effectively, bring people on board with the process, be much more honest with them about what we do know, what we don't know, communicate to them in much more close to real mm -hmm. time, be more straightforward about like, here's here are the things that we're not 100% sure of, but we think they're best practices. Here's the things we're totally sure of. Here's the things that we don't think are going to work at all. And really kind of lay it out so people yeah. don't feel like you're just bullshitting them all. Time, yeah, totally. Know? Well, and also just like a perpetual issue is that the, the pandemic really uh, revealed how broken our health system is. I mean, yeah. and the fact of the, you know, during the pandemic, the federal government expanded people's access to Medicaid. Yeah. Like they expanded Medicaid eligibility so that yeah. more, and millions more people had access to healthcare as a yeah. result of that. Well, and they did that because they understood that more people getting access to healthcare would would be helpful in tamping down the spread of this so deadly virus. So it would be good virus. for all of us, not just those people. It would be good for everybody if we had yeah. a better health system. Like, yeah. and, I mean, that's just an evergreen issue here in the United States. Like, it's it's insane that we have this for-profit uh, system yeah. that dictates our health. It's just absolutely insane. So yeah, we, we could do a lot better. Yes. And there will be a next time. That's the thing. Like there's going to be another one of these yeah. at some point. We, obviously we can't predict when, but you know, the way that the, the, the planet is changing, the way that, that, uh, that the ecosystem is changing because of climate change, especially, mm -hmm. and population growth, mm -hmm. like this will happen again. Like the, oh, the, sure. the, the rate of these kinds of pandemics occurring on planet earth will be increasing. Oh, avian flu is right now currently hopping among species in California. Ew. That's not necessarily good. Doesn't sound good. Uh, she concludes with one really interesting thing mm. here, a little note. She says, we now find ourselves in an awkward phase with this virus, mm -hmm. somewhere between a full-blown emergency and an endemic state of predictability. Mm. Epidemiologists, she says, don't have a word for this phase. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. Like we're in this little in-between area. A limbo, an yeah. epidemiological limbo. Epidemiological limbo. Say that five times fast. That's poetic. Whew. Mm-hmm. Um, well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you, Caitlin Jetlina, for being such a good source of information for us over these last few years. Very good. I have an item for our Let's Get Less Dumb segment as well. Heck yeah. Um, this might fall under the also, this might make you a little bit more mad. Mm. Um, and it's just, it, I, I saw this Instagram post via my friend Jen, um, who uh, uh, reposted a story from the an account called Create and Cultivate. They're a media company um, uh, that has, has a pretty popular Instagram um, following. Mm -hmm. uh, but they they were they made these infographics according that were based on a, a recent study that was done by a resume software company called uh, All Sort uh -huh. All Sorter All Sorter I think All Sorter Yeah. Anyway. Um, so there was the study that this resume company did. Um, it was All Sorter, yes. So All Sorter analyzed a thousand of the world's largest companies mm -hmm. and found that just sixty, excuse me, six point four percent of the CEOs of those companies were female, while ninety three point six percent were male. Hmm. That's wild. Okay, but this isn't what got my attention. I'll tell you what got my attention 
in a moment. But the, the, the next bit of information here was that uh, they, said, they see a progress for women in leadership roles is moving in the right direction, but it's still way too slow. And women of color hold only 1% of CEO positions of mm. those top 1,000. Here's the thing that caught my attention in this study. This is a quote from the 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 uh, the CRO of All Sorter. Um, What's the R stand for? I don't know, uh, but that's, hmm. that's his title. Okay. His quote says this: When we analyzed the most popular names alone, like the names of uh, of of CEOs yeah. in these top one thousand companies around mm-hmm. the world, employees were 72.3% more likely to have a CEO named David than a CEO who is a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Employees are 72.3% more likely to have the guy in charge of their company named David specifically Specifically than to have a woman at all. Just a, a rousing victory for David's everywhere. <laughs> oh my God. Man, what the hell? Can you believe that? I can. It really does help to illustrate. I mean, like the, the numbers themselves, numbers like this can, like you can read them and it can be like blah, 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 whatever. You know, it can be like, it feels like in one ear and out the other sometimes, you know? Sure. But putting this kind of a, a twist on the data, like really, really kind of drives home the point in a way that just the numbers alone don't because because a point by itself is sort of farcical in nature. It is, you know, it and is. this really underscores that. It's true. It's true. So, <sighs> are you less dumb and are you are you more mad? Those Both. The two, the Both. two questions. Both. I want to know. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Jamie, I'm under the impression that you today have an item for us in the suggestion box. I want to speak to you, manager, now, please. Yeah. So this is weird. Um, so. Uh, the, the, the DNI, the, the ODNI. Um, What's the ODNI? Uh, it's the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. Okay. Uh, the DNI is the Director of National Intelligence. Okay. Uh, the Director of National Intelligence serves as the head of the U.S. intelligence community, right? Okay. So we kind of, the, the ODNI kind of sits up above all the different intelligence branches. There's a number, right? Like? There's a bunch of different ones. I mean, obviously CIA, FBI, there are others. Okay. You know? Uh-huh. And, uh, and his job and his agency's job uh, is to oversee and direct the implementation of the National Intelligence Program and to also act as a principal advisor to the president and the National Security Council okay. and the Homeland, Sec- Homeland Security Council for Intelligence Matters okay. and so on. Okay. Um, so it's kind of a go-between role. It's it's an administrative oversight and go-between kind of role. Okay. They're sort of in charge of all of it together, you know? But they don't do any of the work themselves, right? So, like, their agency isn't out there in the field like the FBI or the CIA would be, you know? Um, But they... But the FBI and CIA and all the other agencies report up to them, and they centralize and coordinate all of that. Okay. Right? Seems Uh, like a good idea. And if memory serves... This is the office that was created post 9-11 because uh, a, a, a big thing that came out, obviously, in the 9-11 commission was the fact that- Lack none of, of coordination. They weren't talking. None right. of the agencies were coordinating. Yeah. And like this agency knew stuff about these proposed hijackers, but like they never let the FBI know and the FBI does domestic and like it's just a mess. Right. I don't know if this was created then or not. I don't know that for sure, but like it might have been because you're right. That was an issue 
with with pre nine eleven was that there wasn't yeah. anything. Just googled it and yep. Okay. In fact, acting on the nine eleven commission's recommendation, Congress established a DNI position okay. through provisions in the two thousand four Intelligence Reform and Terrorism Prevention Act. All right. Well, there you go. Now, there we, you go. now we know. So now we know. So uh, they release every year a report, and this report is called the Annual Threat Assessment. Of okay. the U.S. intelligence community. Okay. And so this is one of the their work products. It's their main work product. It's where they take everything they've learned from the CIA doing overseas stuff and the FBI and Homeland Security and all these other agencies yeah. doing domestic stuff. Yeah. And they sort of coordinate all of it. And there's other foreign ones too, you know. Sure. But they, co they coordinate. They, they put all this stuff together and they're like, they look at it all and they're like, here's what the landscape looks like worldwide and domestically for okay. threats to the U.S. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's not a very complicated thing. It's an obviously unclassified thing because I have read it. They mm -hmm. put it out as a PDF. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like 40 pages long, and mm -hmm. it's not complicated. There's lots of, like, subheadings and things. There's nothing ever longer than, like, two paragraphs, really. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty quick to read, super quick to browse through. Mm -hmm. It's all very well organized. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, so I did uh, scan through it today, and then not finding the thing I was looking for, did keyword searches throughout the document, I was shocked to find that there is not a single mention of any of the stuff that the right-wing political actors in our country are currently doing to undermine democracy in this country. Really? None of that is listed. None of the violent terrorism either, the nope. mass shootings. No, nope. the... no. I mean, those are lone wolf things, right? They're not coordinated They're not... per se. But also... <sighs> I mean, you're right. You can't, at a certain point, you wink and nod at this stuff enough and people understand that it's, that they're supposed to do it. But like, it's not like it's all Proud Boys or all Oath Keepers. Yeah. It's not like it's all one organization doing this. Except for, I remember when like, when the government was all hyped up on Muslim extremist terrorism yeah, stuff. Of course. You know, those weren't necessarily uh, They weren't coordinated, coordinated either. either. Not at all. They were folks who were radicalized online. Sound familiar? Yeah. White supremacists? Right. Like, it's the same shit. Same shit, but different skin color. Yes. Right? And I think maybe that's just the entire point. It's really weird to me, though. I mean, even if you put the shooting stuff aside, the mass murder stuff aside, like, just take it right off the table, there is still, like, a coordinated... So all that stuff, all that shooting stuff, all that lone wolf stuff, mm -hmm. that's not coordinated, mm -hmm. right? And I could understand them justifying it by being... Not including it, by being like, well, it's not coordinated. It's not like we can stop it. You I know? don't think it's justified, but I understand why they would do that. Right, same. Yeah. So... That said, there is a coordinated thing that's happening in our country right now, which is an assault on electoral integrity and mm -hmm. the very process of running democratic elections. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's massive voter suppression. And it's really interesting because, like, they call this stuff out in this same report in other countries. What? Oh, yeah, like, they call the political situation in Burma out, right? And, like, this is probably going to lead to violence. Well, what do you fucking think's going to happen here, oh, you guys? What, what is already happening here? It's, January 6th. Hi, yeah. anyone heard of it. It's really, really weird. Literally, people who are like leaders in this movement have been convicted of sedition as of recently as last week. Totally. Yeah, it's, it's all kind of happening in real time right now, but somehow just not making it into the United States official threat assessment. What? So as far as the official policy of the United States goes, there is no threat internally from any of these elements. These folks need to get their act together. It's really wild to me. Well, and also you have to wonder how much of the call is coming from inside the House, right? Like how many of the people writing this very report, you know that law enforcement has a whole lot of people in it who trend authoritarian. And you have to wonder how far up the food chain that goes. Like you'd like to think that the people in suits overseeing the whole thing don't 
don't think that same way, but probably a lot of them who, do. Who appoints the the DNI? Uh, I believe it is appointed. It's it's isn't it a confirmed? I think it's appointed, like nominated by the president, confirmed by the Senate, right? It's one of those. So the Pretty Biden sure. administration has responsibility for this, if that's the case. I have, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that the executive branch is sort of responsible for all this kind of stuff Come at a certain level. Yeah. on, everybody. I know, I know. It's not good. So I can see why this is an item for your suggestion. Yeah, my Rex. suggestion is open your fucking eyes, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, it's not that they don't know. And I could understand also why they might feel like it's a political third rail. We can't mention it because right-wingers would get upset. But that's like this, <sighs> that's the ties that like the Republican Party has around this country right now, right? Like they they feel like they can act in as bad faith as they want to, secure in the understanding that no one's going to call them out because to do so would be partisan. <laughs> you know what I mean? <sighs> it's a real problem. But like when the, you know, the, ODNI in their annual threat assessment, their official threat assessment of the, the like the report of the U.S. intelligence community has absolutely nothing to say whatsoever about the stuff happening inside our own country. That's wild. It's really wild to me because honestly, there no here's the thing: as an American, like I'm, I care about Burma. I care deeply. I really do. But I care a lot more about the country I live in. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm real I, concerned about what's happening here, and I really wish that we would address it. Yeah, for and sure. And like not be meddling around in everyone else's business. It's good to know about Burma. I'm stoked I know about what's going on in Burma. I also, I kind of knew because I pay attention. But like that Burma made it into the U.S. threat assessment, but the U.S. didn't make it into the U.S. threat assessment. Right. Feels real weird to me. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. So anyway, that's my request for uh, the powers that be. Maybe I'm we sure can somebody will listen. Get to work on that. <laughs> All so right. this feels important. Uh, to piggyback on your white supremacist talk. Oh, cool. Let's get into it a little bit more. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I, this week I learned something new uh, when I was reading about the latest horrific gun murder, mass yeah. gun murder yeah. uh, in the United States. Freedom, freedom. To link together to a couple weird things I learned in an email this week that that mall is the one that uh, Caitlin Jetlina goes to with her kids. Oh, whoa. That's just weird. like her local mall where she lives because she lives by Dallas. Crazy in I Allen, know. Texas. Wow. It really, like, these things don't happen to somebody else, people. No, it's, it, yes, for sure. Um, these things do happen more frequently in Texas. There's been at least one mass she, murder. She talked about that. In Texas, there's been one a month this year. Yes, that's true. So far. But so, this is really interesting. I didn't even think to talk about this, uh, but so Caitlin Jetlina, in that same email yeah. she sent a couple days ago, the point of her email was that she had the exact same thought you did. She, she feels as a Texas resident, especially it happening in her backyard, like this happens more in Texas than everywhere. So she actually went and looked at the data. She did some mm. statistical analysis. Texas is right in the middle of the pack. They're, really? they're not a statistical anomaly as far as this kind of thing goes whatsoever. Mm. They're not an outlier. They're not even like outside of the mean. They're not one standard deviation. They're right in the line with everywhere else. Well, everywhere else sucks too. So like, yeah. guns are such a huge issue. But here's my point, my point in this. What I learned in reading about this uh, this week was about uh, the letters RWDS. Yes. I had not heard about these letters or the significance of them before a couple of days ago. I had, and it's appalling. Um, and so RWDS uh, is, a, is a formation of letters that the murderer in Allen, Texas, either had on his clothing or patch. tattooed on his body. He had a patch of it on yeah. his uh, vest. Um uh, RWDS, in case you're wondering what those letters stand for, it's probably more horrific than you think. It stands for Right Wing Death Squad. Yeah. 
what the actual fuck? <laughs> um, yeah. So the history of this is wild. This is, this is why I'm bringing it up because mm. I, I learned all this. I learned all of this this week. Mm-hmm. Apparently, this RWDS patch is something that uh, right wing extremists have been wearing here in the United States um, for the last number of years. Like. Yeah. Dating back to like Charlottesville, yep. you know, like I mean, maybe even before then, but like it's it's been around. I have not been aware of it until now, um, but they're proclaiming this RWDS, and the 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 reference of our the right wing death squads mm-hmm. refers back to uh, form the former Chilean dictator Augusto Pinochet, early seventies, yeah, uh, who's like mob of like murderous you know supporters whatever uh murdered thousands of political opponents yeah and and they often would take those political opponents into helicopters and t- toss their bodies yeah. uh, into the ocean yeah after, ha- after first having- slitting slitting their guts so they wouldn't float right so yeah. these people were this is where the 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 phrase the disappeared comes from right in a large part like there was uh, less uh, le desperes. I can't. I'm going to get it all wrong. But there's a, a phrase in in Latin America from this era where people people were disappeared, mm, yes. like as a verb, right? Yeah. Like the people were disappeared. Like they the bodies were never recovered. So like they their families just never really knew exactly what happened. Yeah. But but in this case, the, the Pinochet uh, you know goons would murder these people, slit them open, and dump them in the ocean from yep. helicopters. Okay, <laughs> I'm horrified. Uh, right-wing extremists in this country, the United States, mm-hmm. in the last few years have been apparently wearing T-shirts like that say things like free helicopter rides. Mm-hmm. And t- other t- other T-shirts saying Pinochet did nothing wrong. I know it's appalling. Like they're drawing inspiration for sure from a dictator, a violent, murderous dictator. Mm-hmm. That's their vision for what they want to see happen here in this country. That's the guy who took a semi-automatic weapon, assault rifle, to a mall last weekend and killed people. He killed of the of the people who died. Three of them were were a mom and a dad and a little girl. Yeah. Their six-year-old son survived. Man. This is what the right, this is what the Republican Party is enabling right now. Even if, even if a Republican says, gives lip service to the notion that they don't support violence, putting your name under the column voting for leaders that accept this kind of bullshit from these extremists. Yeah. Is support. I saw somebody, it was it was a quote from Chris Rock, actually, I think it was. It was attributed to him, so I, I can't say for certain if it was, but it was attributed to him. If you see 10, uh, uh, if you see 10 guys willing to hang out with one Nazi, you suddenly now are seeing a group of 11 Nazis. Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is the vision that the Republican Party has for this country is their way or we're just going to kill you. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's disgusting, man. I am just... I heard it referred to uh, in a Vanity Fair article recently as uh, 
Some states in America are, quote-unquote, experimenting with authoritarianism. <sighs> like when you, like you, when you have, like, that? a gay phase in high school or something, you know what I mean? Like, what? It was a weird way to phrase it. <laughs> kind of made it sound like something kind of cool, like, uh, like, like when you experiment with being goth or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, was the article actually light on authoritarianism or was it just trying to be pithy? It was hard to separate the two. It was weird. I, I don't know. It didn't seem like a very appropriate way to talk about it. It seems like we shouldn't be talking about this authoritarianism thing that's happening all over our country right now in any terms other than very, very serious. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. I just was shocked. I was shocked that... that I, I, I don't know why I'm shocked. I really don't. Like, I don't I, know why you're shocked either, I frankly. don't know why I'm shocked, but I, I suppose it's maybe... I think it probably says good things about you that you still have the capacity to be shocked by stuff like this. That's what I'm getting at. Like, I yeah. think that there's maybe some, like, hope still alive inside me for humanity. Hey, hope, <laughs> hope springs eternal, you know? <laughs> yeah, but man, that's just, it's disgusting. It's really disgusting. So, Jamie, can you please give us some inspiration then? Because I <laughs> really need it. Uh, let's pull into the inspiration station. Inspiration station. Yes. You know, I'm just going to dip back into my Rigpa glimpse of the day. That little email that yes. I get with a little bit of Zogchen Buddhism That's in good. it. Yeah, It just had a nice little nice little message a couple of days ago. Okay. Um, so you may or may not know, people, that uh, a big thing in this in this thought tradition is the idea of reincarnation, right? Mm. That like you, your soul just moves into a different container and you keep going, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, so with that as context and preamble, here's what it says. If you were to draw one essential message from the fact of reincarnation, it would be this. Develop a good heart that longs for other beings to find lasting happiness and acts to secure that happiness. Nourish and practice kindness. The Dalai Lama has said, and then the rest of it is just a quote from the Dalai Lama. Mm. There is no need for temples, no need for complicated philosophy. Our own brain, our own heart is our temple. My philosophy is kindness. Mm. Well, that's great. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Especially with, with, with how complicated everything feels like it's gotten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that just feels so refreshingly simple. So like morally clear. Mm -hmm. You know, not a lot of weird ambiguities. I know that in my, you know, in my personal experience, like trying to talk with right-wingers over the past decades, over the past couple of decades, like... I believe that in their heart of hearts, a lot of them really feel like it, just, it starts with lower taxes and like the idea of freedom. And But like, you know, but they get to this point where somehow they're convincing themselves that like trans people are, are somehow a problem that is tied in with all of this inextricably. And in their, in their mind, it's just like, uh, like this step to this and this to this and this to this. And like you get like five steps down and like you go from lower taxes to like trans people shouldn't exist. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And in their mind, I think it seems really orderly and logical, but just kind of complicated, but like really nuanced. Like they're nuanced thinkers, you know? Mm -hmm. And I, what I love about this Rigpa thing that I just shared with everyone is it like... It cuts through all of that. There's no nuance to it whatsoever. It's dead fucking simple and absolutely unambiguously morally clear. Yes. You know? I love the... My philosophy is kindness. Great. Start yeah. there. Hey, start there with everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's very good. <sighs> Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. It was helpful. Good. So, uh, what do you think? Should we finish up with a gratitude crank up? 
Yes, always. Um, I I do. I I I'm supposed to do. I've committed to doing a daily gratitude practice, and I fell off the wagon a couple of days this weekend. Well, whatever. No, it's fine. But I wanted to address that because I, I I know that probably on those harder days is when I actually need to show up for my gratitude. Yes. And I didn't do it. But I'm back on. And today for the podcast, I just have one item and that is I'm grateful for our good neighbors. Oh yeah. We had to pop out for an errand earlier and a couple of our neighbors were outside already talking and so we joined up and talked to them for a good long while. And I just feel, it just feels, I feel very lucky that we live on a street where with other people who... I enjoy being around. I like talking to. They are kind people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they are people who are, we're, we're looking out for each other. You know, it's really, it's really lovely. I feel very grateful for that. Love it. Me too. Same. How about you? Uh, I'm just grateful for the perfect weather that we've been having this week. Yeah. You guys, it's, it's like, it's been like 61 degrees, sunny, like warm sun, light breeze, nice mixture of mostly blue sky, but just enough clouds here and there to make it interesting and give you a little break, but then it's sunny again. <laughs> it's just been absolutely exquisite. Yeah. Perfect Pacific Northwest springtime weather, and I just couldn't be happier about it. I'm here for it, too. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Y'all, thank you for hanging out with us this, yeah. this week on this podcast. I, I feel like... I feel like we should have given you some more like good uplifting things. Today. That's not our job. Okay, we did we did what we came to do. We talked about what was important to us. Hopefully, hopefully that was entertaining slash informative slash good for you. Yeah. Whatever it was, we're grateful that you listened all the way through, all the way to the end. Wow. Where I'm talking right now, uh, and I'm going to say uh, thank you to those of you who support this podcast mm-hmm. and who support all the work we do. You make possible everything that we do. The music, the podcast, mm-hmm. the mentoring, the the everything. Mm-hmm. So thank you. If you are somebody who is not yet a supporter, and by me, by which I mean if you are somebody who's not gone to misfitstars.com slash support and chosen a small dollar monthly contribution to make to this thing that we do. It's like a little subscription. Yeah. Then go and do that. If this is, if this stuff is if you're still listening right now and you're not yet a supporter, you should really go do this. Misfitstars.com slash support. If you can, that is. Yeah. Some people who are listening aren't able to do that. We and get that's it. totally fine. Those of you who can contribute are making all this possible for those people who can't. That's it. So there you go. We make everything that we do, not just the podcast, but also the music, all of it, freely available to everybody. And the reason that we can do that is because our work is supported by some people who really believe in it. Yeah. Financially. Right. Supported financially. Oh, and if you do that, we'll send you stickers. We sent stickers to Amsterdam this week. I know. For a new Misfit Star. Thank you, new Misfit Star member mm-hmm. in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Super cool. We're global like a pandemic. Woo! Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, let's sign off. Okay. Y'all, thank you for hanging out. We'll be back in a few weeks. Yep, May um, 30th. That's right. Yep. So until then, please be good to each other and be good to yourselves. Yeah, we love y'all. Bye. Bye.